Hello, and welcome to The Lucy Lou Show, the fueling station for your mind, business, and life. And now, here's your host, Lucy Lou. Hello, hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back. I hope you're having a wonderful day because you've never lived this day before and you never will again. So make the most of it. Did you know that there's a part of our mind that rests just below the surface that controls 90% of our life? And it's programmed, much like the software that runs a computer. But who's doing the programming? We are. If you ever feel stuck or as though self-sabotage seems to happen whenever you make progress, there's a high, highly chance that you're experiencing some form of imposter syndrome. Despite how amazing you are and in spite of all your previous accomplishments, sometimes you might just still feel like fake or a fraud. And even the greatest minds still may experience imposter syndrome at some point in their life. So this episode is for you if you feel that nothing is ever good enough, you just need to check that one more time. Or if you're people-pleasing, you're apologizing, and you feel like you need one more degree or one more certification to be good enough, this episode is for you. My guest today is Cheryl Anjanet. She is a podcast host, international speaker, thought leader, and trainer on the topics of imposter syndrome, burnout, and peak performance. She is the author of the book, The Imposter Lies Within. So without further ado, let's welcome Cheryl. Welcome to the show, Cheryl. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lucy. So happy to be here. Yay, I'm so excited to have you. Oh my gosh. I've I'm so keen to talking about imposter syndrome because hey, right? How many of us have it or had it before we overcome it? Many of us know that imposter syndrome, we know what it is, right? Maybe you may feel like you're never quite good enough in spite of all your accomplishments, right? But what I want to ask you today is why do you think it matters? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, I think it matters because we end up with these behaviors in our lives. Things are happening in our lives or not happening. We're either going after those promotions or those big jobs, but feel a lot of anxiety and turmoil. And we end up in all this rumination or we play small and we pass up the opportunities because this voice in our head is telling us, why bother? You're not good enough, or you're not quite ready. Or, you know, everyone else is better than you, you know? So we go into this self-talk and the thoughts. And so really we're passing up our life and that's hard to measure. It's hard to measure the opportunities you miss. Yes. So much. Yes. So, you know, Cheryl, I used to be a perfectionist. I always talk about this. I'm a proud ex-professionist now, and I'm very, (laughs) and I'm proud that I've helped all my clients overcome perfectionism, but I really, really love how you talk about in addition to perfectionism, there are a total of seven archetypes as a framework for imposter syndrome. So can you tell us all about these? Absolutely. You know, having a framework is like having a good diagnosis. So you can imagine if you had an illness, Like, let's say you just were tired all the time, or you had this pain in your stomach and you went to the doctors and they kept saying, we don't know what it is, or it's all in your head, or, you know what, take two aspirins and it will be fine. And 
you're like, no, this is real. I mean, these symptoms are real and you don't have a starting point. As soon as you have a starting point, you've got a place to go with it. So I created this framework, not, not as a label, not as a judgment, not to make anyone feel like, oh my God, do I have all this stuff? But it's really just like, okay, this is how it's showing up. Now I have a starting point. Now I know what I can work on. So the perfectionist we talked about, and there are actually three types of maladaptive perfectionism. So there's the one that's the self-critical. We're so hard on ourselves. There's the other critical where we're so hard on everyone else, right? And sometimes we don't realize that. We think, oh, that's not me, but we, we can be. And then there's the socially conditioned perfectionist. So that might come from a family dynamic or a cultural dynamic or a profession you're in. And then there's the people pleaser. So that's the second one. The people pleaser has trouble saying no. They have trouble setting boundaries, right? And they put themselves last in their own life. Then there's the master who's always chasing expertise. They just need one more degree or one more certification to be good enough. And then there is the lone ranger who feels like they always have to go it alone. You know, they have trouble delegating in work and sometimes they're a perfectionist. Sometimes that's a little bit about, well, why would I give it to someone else? You know, I, they'll never do it as well as I do, but below that behind that is this fear of being found out is not good enough. If I ask for help. Someone's going to find out I'm not that good. Then there's the savior. Well, actually, let me start with the superhero. The superhero is overcompensating. And I know, Lucy, you talk a lot about burnout. This is such a part of that path to burnout. Do, 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 never say no, overdo everything. And it's not, sometimes it's needed. We need that in the moment, but the superhero does it when it's not needed. They do twice as much as everyone else just to get to the starting gate. And then there's a savior and the savior feels like they have to be coming and save the day, even when it's not their place, even when they're not equipped to, they want to be the one to save. And part of that could be, maybe they were felt really unsafe as a child. Maybe something happened and they needed saving. And no one was there, or maybe they needed saving and someone came in and it's like, Ooh, that was my savior. That was my role model. I want to be like them. And they overdo it. And then the final one is the prodigy. And the prodigy is really interesting because the prodigy feels like they have to go from zero to hero or beginner to mastery immediately, or they just won't get in the game or they'll quit. So they tend to be quitters. They come up with a lot of good excuses or explanations for why they weren't really quitting, but they will have trouble finishing tasks. And a lot of it is because it's a slippery slope when you're learning, right? When you're doing something, you're not immediately the master and you might be found out it's not good enough. And you mentioned the inner child. That was a keyword I picked up. What does the inner child have to do with imposter syndrome? Yeah. So we all have our inner, and I, I, you know, I don't think of my inner child as one child because we're different at different ages and stages. So we can talk about our inner child, but in a way it's almost plural, like our children, which might sound strange, but if we really peel it back, we're talking about behaviors. If we really peel it back and go to do the deep dive, it really comes from our beliefs. So we start early in life and we have experiences and it's not so much the experiences, but the meaning we give that the interpretation we had at that age and at that stage. So something happens and I think as a little mind, maybe a three-year-old, oh, I wasn't good enough. And then my little mind looks for evidence to make me right. And something else happens. I think, oh my God, oh, you see, I'm not good enough. And it layers on and layers on. And 
Our personalities has something to do with that too, and external circumstances, but we develop these beliefs about ourselves in the world. Am I good enough or not? Am I worthy or not? Am I deserving or not? And it layers and layers and it comes up and it affects different things. Now I'm eight years old, right? And something happens, but my little belief system from my three, four, five-year-old, it's all bubbling up to the eight-year-old. And now I'm what in my thirties or my forties or my fifties, right? And that little child is still feeling like I'm not good enough. So the inner child, the pure inner child is the playful inner child. That's the curious one. That's the way we are born to be open, to be curious, to be looking for things, right? But then we get wounded. And so really when we're talking about the inner child, we're talking about the wounded inner child. And so we're really talking about going back and helping that child to transmute, transform the meaning they gave those experiences. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Thank you for your wisdom. And I think this is why imposter syndrome is important to talk about because your success lies within if or not you can overcome these seven frameworks, right? So you are determining if you can increase your income, increase your opportunity, increase your impact. And I think we all want those, right? What are your top like keys and secret to eliminate imposter syndrome? Yeah, such an important question. You know, so many people will say, oh, everybody's got it. You should just normalize it. And they think, oh, I'll never get over this, or maybe I'll get better, but then it's going to pop up. And I say, if that's what you believe, that will be your reality. Because whatever we put in our mind is exactly what we will get. But I don't believe that. I, and I've shown that. I work with people you can get past imposter syndrome. So the way to do it is to do the inside work, which is the reprogramming, what we just talked about, going in and finding those early beliefs at the root and transmuting and changing them. So you can change a belief, just the way you can change your thoughts, just the way you can change your your self-talk, you know, that dialogue between the ears. And so it's the inside out, but it's also the outside in because there's neuroscience behind this. You know, our brains become patterned. The neurons connect in these neural pathways. And so it's not just our actions that become habits or patterned, but it's our beliefs, our thoughts, our self-talk. So we need to repattern those things. So it's reprogram, repatterning inside out, outside in to really get past it. You just mentioned that imposter syndrome is not something we just have to live with. I love the title of your book. So tell us about your book. Yeah. So the book is called The Imposter Lies Within. And obviously you can hear the double meaning. It lies within and it lies within. It's a liar. And the rest of the book is silence your inner critic, tame your fear, unleash your badassery. And it's really a journey. So the book is written in four parts and it starts from with awareness, then it goes into insight, then it goes into alignment. So we figure out where we're out of alignment, get into alignment and then into integration. So it's really taking you on a journey. There are 20 chapters, 20 exercises, and it's really a book you use. It's not a book you just read. Yes. Yes. So if you ever self-sabotage and we've all been there. This is a book you want to read. In your experience working with your clients, Cheryl, why do we self-sabotage? Well, a lot of that comes from the inner child, from those early, it's mysterious, right? Let's face it. We're doing it. We think in our mind, I know, I know, I know, I know I should do that thing. I know I'm good enough. 
but we still have that disconnect, I feel, and we wonder where that's coming from. So the self-sabotage really comes from not doing that inner work and not repatterning together. I'm actually doing, if it's okay to say, but I actually have created a I call it a journey because I don't think of these things as just learning. I think you have to have a, to have a true transformation. You have to take a journey. You have to get somewhere with it. You know, you have to see the needle move. And so I actually decided that I needed to start with self-sabotage because that's where people are feeling the most pain. That's where it's showing up in our behavior. And so we do the inside work. We get the awareness, the insight, the alignment, and the integration. So what would you say is the biggest myth about imposter syndrome that you want to debunk? Well, I have eight in the book. The biggest one, well, first I I have to give you two because the first is that imposter syndrome does not mean you're really an imposter and it doesn't mean other people think you're an imposter. We feel like the imposter it's within. Um, But the one that I think throws people off track is you know, you'll hear people and they mean, well, I, I mean, nothing against the person that says this, but they'll say, just feel your fear and do it anyway. If you do the thing enough, you're going to be confident. You won't have that imposter syndrome thing. And that's a really good technique. It's part of the puzzle, but really accomplished people think, you know, Sheryl Sandberg, Tina Fey, Steve Martin, Albert Einstein, Maya Angelou, they've done the thing over and over and over. They feel the fear, you know, accomplished people feel the fear and do it anyway. They come out the other side and they still feel not good enough. So this is really damaging because when you tell somebody, and I've worked with so many people on this, when you tell somebody, just feel your fear and do it anyway, you'll be over it. And they do that. And they come out the other side and still have these feelings. They tend to suppress those emotions even more. Oh, now I have to fake it even more. I better not tell anybody that I still am having this rumination. I'm still, these fears are still just you know, overtaking my life, that I'm still comparing myself to everyone and finding myself lacking all these feelings, emotions, behaviors that are uncomfortable, that are unhelpful. And so they suppress them even more. And we don't want that. We want to be able to express that, let it go and actually get to a place where all of those emotions are adaptive. They're helpful. Yes. So in your work, helping other women shatter their imposter syndromes, when your own imposter syndrome ever creep in for that even second, is there a way that you specifically use for yourself? So here's a small distinction, Lucy. So one of the things when you're past imposter syndrome, it doesn't mean that doubt doesn't creep in. It doesn't mean that fear doesn't creep in. It doesn't mean that you stop comparing yourself. It doesn't mean that you ever walk in and wonder if you belong. It just means that they're in what I call the healthy zone. They're in an adaptive zone because that's natural to have fear or doubt, right? We all have a little bit of that. So the first thing I tell myself when I get a little bit of doubt is what is this trying to tell me? You see, for me now, and I had all seven of those archetypes, by the way, but but now I'm really past it. So I don't have the disconnect. I don't like when I have a little bit of doubt, I don't feel like I'm not good enough. I just think, is there anything I need to need to do to prepare more? What is this trying to tell me? Or if this fear, I use that to launch me forward into courage. You know, if it's comparison, I look at the people around me and I think, wow, this is really great. I'm seeing people that have done something longer than me, or they've done something better, or they've just they're just doing something differently. I must be doing something right that I've attracted these kinds of people to me. And so I see it as a positive thing. And I just 
you know, I use cognitive reframing immediately. The reprogramming is already there. So the disconnect is not there. One thing that happens for people is if you're going through a lot of uncertainty or a loss, now the loss can be um, where you're really grieving over the loss of a person. You lose like a person in this life, or you lose a relationship, or you lose a job. When there's loss, there's grief. And so that healthy zone expands with you to allow you to grieve. In other words, it's normal and adaptive for us to have a little more doubt, a little more fear when we are grieving. And I think we need to give ourselves that that grace and that space to allow ourselves to do that and not feel like we're disconnected. We're going to feel that a little bit anyway, because we've lost something. It just gives us a chance to, to get ourselves back on more even ground, but know that that's part of being human. Yes. Yes. Give yourself grace. And it happens to all of us. I was definitely a mixed. I had probably most of the seven archetypes too, but now I've overcome them. And whenever they creep back in, we have the tools. And if you work with a coach, it doesn't have to be me, right? But anyone, you will have the tools as well. And that's that's very essential to your well-being. So Cheryl, share with us your favorite quote. My absolute favorite quote is by Goethe, and it's whatever you can do or think you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Love it. Magical. Thank you so much for all your wisdom. I will share the link in the show note. You can find Cheryl's website at Cheryl and Jeanette. I will have the link to her quiz where you can test yourself all about your imposter syndrome. Thank you so much, Lucy. To all the beautiful souls listening, thank you for joining me on this episode of The Lucy Lou Show. When I'm not podcasting, I am coaching high-achieving women in life transitions, getting unstuck, kissing overwhelmed goodbye, and living a more joyful and fulfilled life through strategic goal setting and mindset transformation. It would mean the world to me if you subscribe, rate, or share this with a friend. And don't forget to join me for the next episode. Remember, there is always a way and more blessings are coming your way. For free resources and show notes, head over to lucylucoaching.com. 